Blog Talk Radio. Stop, Mike Wassell, President Jay. Here we are. We are going to decide this weekend who's going to be in the Super Bowl. 516 is my digits. We've got a great show on tap. Matthew Embry is, is standing by in the, in the balance green room. We had a little bit of a late start today, but we are good to go. We are, I think we're going to get snowed in yet again here in Indianapolis. And that's okay. I'm prepared uh, here in the west suburbs, high atop the balance uh, studios in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, it's not going to be the Colts. We know that. So it's going to be either the Kansas City Chiefs, we hope, or the New England Patriots. We do not hope. And then, of course, the, the Rams. Do you remember, like, earlier on this year, way back, I do have the audio to prove it. There's a reason that that all of our shows are created with audio. That means that I could go back and tell you that the St. Louis, nope, the Los Angeles, yes, the Los Angeles Rams would be in the Super Bowl. There is that possibility, but they've got to get past the New Orleans Saints. We're going to be talking some college hoops and some indie Car racing with Matthew Embry up at WSBT in uh, up in Notre Dame country first, and then we're going to get into the NFL playoff talk. Who is going to be in the Super Bowl? My name is Tom Marquezel Presidente. Stand by. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, 
and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about it. Welcome back. My name is Sean Michael, President Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We are standing by for hybrid Operation Hibernation Weekend here in Indianapolis, Part 2. Uh, have you guys started getting the snow up up north there, uh, Matthew Emery, WSBT? I know you're up in, in the Indiana-Michigan borderline. Uh, what's going on up north there, sir? They want to know, huh? I want to know. The world wants to know. The nation wants to know. <laughs> I had to head out for the, you know, in order to run the Notre Dame uh, North Carolina State game, but uh, you'd be interested to see how that one goes today. But uh, it's sad uh, with all the bad snow. Uh, the Oregon Donor Classic, uh, created by Ron Glitzy, the former head coach at Anderson High School, now the head coach at Mishawaka. Uh, had to be canceled uh, this weekend. There was going to be a five-game uh, classic culminated with the matchup between Mishawaka and Lakeland around 8.30 tonight. So 
unfortunately, the bad weather uh, has put a stop to that event. That was going to be a big money event, which we would provide a lot of money to the donor network. So uh, from that point, it's disappointing that the show had to come uh, this weekend because uh, that was going to be a big event. Well, you know what is the the snow? It's winter time. We always wonder what happened and what. Let, let's before we get into our college hoop talk and our racing talk and all this stuff that we're, we're going to talk about. Let's talk about what happened to the Indianapolis Colts and the Kansas City Chiefs. Last week, the Indianapolis Colts couldn't put anything together uh, against those Kansas City Chiefs. Can we hope Can we hope that this eclipse and, uh, and all the uh, numerology that you could do, uh, the Chiefs are a three-point favorite, and, and guess what? When you add up uh, Andrew – I mean, Andrew, I got him on my mind. When you add up Tom Brady's uh, jersey, it comes to number three – uh, you do all the numerology, it all adds up to three. An eclipse, the, uh, a total eclipse is the old, I mean, the new covers the old. My gosh, there's all kinds of things in their favor if you want to go juju uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get into some of the other uh, stuff that, that we have on task here uh, with you and I, Matthew. But honestly, the, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Kansas City Chiefs, last week we thought it was going to be a lot closer battle than it was, but the Indianapolis Colts fell short. What what was your takeaways of that game? Well, keep in mind, before the season started, a lot of people thought or Indianapolis had no business being in the playoffs considering uh, they had, you know, a lot of limitations at the wide receiver position beyond T.Y. Hilton. There was questions in the running game, the offensive line, and then obviously – uh, how healthy Andrew Luck was going to be. So they certainly overachieved getting to the playoffs. But once they got there, though, I think it's clear uh, the Chiefs got the big run started early. The Colts made a couple mistakes, fell behind, and they never recovered. And they couldn't have afforded to do that with the way they Kansas City and Mahomes could put points on the board. And unfortunately, that happened. And when it did, uh, the bottom really, or the roof really came on them early. And by then, uh, I don't know if they gave up or what the situation was, but uh, I think they've had to feel that their chances are pretty much zero uh, once they fell 21-0 behind early in the second. Well, we're going to get into uh, Super Bowl talk later on in the show, but uh, what are your thoughts? Who's going to be representing down in Atlanta this year? Matt, can you hear me? Uh, who do you think is going to be representing down in Atlanta this year? Well, unfortunately, I think the Patriots are going to find a way to win. Uh, they're, they, they're best for last, as they I always do. You, my man. Um, I curse you. They have the experience <laughs> right now, and uh, I think eventually the you know aggressive offense for Mahomes and company in Kansas City is going to catch up with them, and I think this weekend is what the time is going to catch up to. And unfortunately for fans of Kansas City, uh, it's probably going to come up at the worst time possible, but the experience uh, has to account for something uh, as far as Belichick, Brady, and that team. And I think uh, it's going to go into full force uh, coming up on Sunday. We'll find a way to win this ball game. We're talking with Matthew Embry. Are actually are, uh, he, he wears a lot of hats on the show. He's our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, also, he talks college football, college hoops with us. We're going to get into this uh, Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina State uh 
game here in, in a moment here. But before we do that, let's take some time and, and just backstep here. Uh, Glenn Wood passed away. A lot, many people know, especially if you follow NASCAR, you and I know Glenn Wood very, very, very well. Obviously, part of the, the Wood family, very much part of the NASCAR legacy. Let's talk a little bit about Glenn Wood and the impact that he had on NASCAR racing. Certainly, uh, Glenn Wood was a part of it from the word go, uh, dating back to the 40s and throughout. Um, not as competitive as they've been in years past, especially during their heydays of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but, uh, of course, still wanted it that they tore the founder in 2011 with Trevor Bain. And uh, you look at the possibilities there, uh, certainly a team that's decent with uh, Paul Bedard under Roger Petsky's guidance. And, uh Disappointing uh, what happened, but uh, at the same time, uh, Glenn had, had had some health problems over the last few years. Uh, was just hanging on at this point. Really was never making uh, appearances at the track, uh, as he had in years past. He and his uh, brother Larry both. But, uh, yeah, he certainly had a good play. And then, of course, uh, had a role a little bit as well at the success of uh, Jim Clark's uh, program at the Indianapolis 500 in the year he won in 1965. So, uh, certainly uh, – not just an NASCAR effective, uh, he was effective in a lot of different forms of auto racing, uh, the Woods, uh, especially Glenn Wood, uh, for one. Yeah, absolutely. Glenn Wood uh, dies at 93 years old, had a great life. Glenn Wood uh, certainly was the, the, the patriotic, uh, patriotic, if you will, of the Wood Brothers racing team, as you mentioned, and him and his, his brother Leonard. Uh, they announced it on social media, didn't really announce the cause, but uh, certainly, as you mentioned, Mr. Wood, along with his younger brother, Leonard, co-founded the Wood Brothers uh, racing team back in 1951, four uh, races over an 11-year year career. Glenn Wood, in, a ni- a, in 1998, was named one of NASCAR's uh, 50 Most Greatest Drivers, a, a list that included 20 drivers that had once raced uh, in a Wood Brothers uh, car. Certainly, he made an impact in NASCAR. Uh, he, he was also a member of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame in 2011, was elected uh, to the Hall of Fame. The Wood Brothers race team, and I'm, I'm doing a quote here, the Wood Brothers race team by any measure uh, has been one of the most successful, most racing operations in history of NASCAR, said uh, SBL Ford, I apologize, member of Ford Board of Directors. Glenn was an innovator who, along with his family, and changed the sport itself. Certainly a major impact, and we mourn his loss, and our, and our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to the, uh, the Wood family, but uh, yeah, Glenwood was certainly when you, you, you when you when you measure up and say there's somebody that that's somebody I want to be like that's somebody that that we're gonna we're gonna measure against. Now, Glenwood was one of that. And you final thoughts of that? We'll get into a little bit of IndyCar talk, and then we'll get into some uh, college tribute. But uh, certainly, Glenwood was is going to be missed just because of the fact of when you, whenever you lose a legacy like Glenwood. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a pretty big story. Yeah, and there aren't many left. Uh, Judy John Levy has passed away. Uh, Glenn Wood has passed away. Uh, Bud Moore has been in poor health for the last several years as well. So uh, beyond Bud Moore, there really isn't, uh, you know, a big name from, you know, years past in the early days that's still out there other than maybe the Petties, et cetera. But uh, beyond that, uh, 
yeah, I'll be very interested to see uh, how things go uh, as we draw closer and closer to Daytona, and obviously uh, with some of the veterans, uh, Kyle Larson, et cetera, and the Chili Bowl tonight. So a lot of chances for some breakthroughs, uh, certainly involving NASCAR-tied drivers uh, over the next few weeks. And obviously there's a couple also running in the Rolex 24 next weekend. So a loaded opportunity for several uh, NASCAR-tied drivers uh, to make an impact uh, here over the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. We have a huge NASCAR uh, following here on the show and a huge uh, racing uh, sh- uh, on a show. We we certainly don't want to ignore uh, the IndyCar series as well as we get ready to go. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the Chili Bowl. We, we talk about that every year. Uh, you and I and, and Steve Wilson, he's getting ready to get on a boat in Florida to go on a cruise. So he's He's not able to join us, but we're getting close to the Daytona 500. I'm so glad that you mentioned the, the Rolex 24. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up in racing, especially this Chili Bowl event. A lot of people are like, what's a Chili Bowl? i tell you what, it is the best. i, I tell you what, it is the best racing indoor. No one's ever seen an indoor racing event. Well, you got to watch the Chili Bowl event. Talk a little bit about those that may not know what Chili Bowl is and why does it make it so exciting? And by the way, I'm going to make chili this afternoon after the show. Go right ahead. Well, obviously, 350 entries uh, is not a uh, fluke. And then, of course, the quick trip center at Tulsa, the indoor track uh, for the midget cars, always an interesting situation. You have multiple drivers from the U.S. and also from Australia, New Zealand, et cetera, also from Canada. Uh, big week uh, so far. As I mentioned, Kyle Larson, who also has started the Gospel uh, Nationals the past few years, one of, one of the uh, preliminaries, another driver with NASCAR ties. Rico Avery was a winner this week. Uh, Justin Grant, Tanner Thorson. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out uh, coming up uh, this weekend. And then also you have the son of Vince Welch, uh, Dylan Welch Racing. Uh, You have the son of Jimmy Elledge running Carson Elledge. So a lot of names uh, with NASCAR and uh, racing ties uh, as far as tradition uh, also in the field uh, coming up this weekend and with the finale uh, starting uh, later today. Let's talk a little bit about that Schmidt Aero deal uh, that allows SPM to create IndyCar, the big four. I, I mean, that's a huge, huge uh, conversation starter uh, when, you, when you look at that, Matt. What are your thoughts? Well, we had a feeling they were going to be eventually sponsoring two cards. I would say a years ago was a possible candidate. He would have been the narrow tie driver along with James Hedgecliffe. Uh, just delayed just a little bit because of the sponsorship. So they're going to sponsor at least two cars with uh, Hinchcliffe and the new driver, Marcus Erickson, and possibly a third if Robert Wickens could come back uh, before the end of the year. So we'll see how things go with this. But, uh, yeah, this is not just a surprise. I think this was uh, the writing was on the wall with Arrow's interest in the sport. Uh, even with despite the near fail crash involving James Hinchcliffe a few years ago, it shows they have interest in the sport and for IndyCar that's always a plus so if you have a spot that's interested uh, you want to keep them on as much as possible well let's uh, get it do you have any uh, IndyCar uh, funny season news for us before we get in to some uh, college hoopage yeah it's been very interesting over the last uh, couple of weekends we've seen a lot of big names uh have trouble winning games. Of course, uh, Duke, the first time in their history at Cameron Indoor that they've lost to an unranked opponent uh, at home when they've been number one. Uh, that happened against Syracuse on Monday. Notre Dame came close to upset North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Unfortunately, beat shorthanded. They couldn't pull it off. And, uh, yeah, things are still a revolving door. And you could have a scenario that uh, despite uh, being 
Losing to a 16 seed last year, uh, Virginia still undefeated. Could be a number one seed, if not the number one seed uh, overall again uh, in just a couple months' time. So things are really getting interesting as far as Virginia, Duke, Michigan, uh, those three. And uh, then the question is, who gets the number four number one seed? And uh, it could be Gonzaga, and there's a couple other candidates uh, that also could be a play for that spot. Well, we're talking with Matthew Embry of WSBT up in South Bend, Notre Dame country. Uh, so talk with us a little bit. Notre Dame basketball kind of falls short this week. Uh, they, they've, they've got the uh, they, they've got the Wolfpack of, of, of uh, Carolina State going on today. Uh, man, Notre Dame in the Fighting Irish has just kind of fell short what has happened what's going on there in notre dame country do we push the panic button yet or is this is this still part of what's going on we talked about this at the beginning of the season but it just seems like six or seven guys on scholarship so that doesn't that death is a possibility and the early obviously running out of gas is always a concern and then the injuries have absolutely been uh, brutal uh, losing uh, rex fluger to a torn acl uh, DJ Harvey has been in and out of the lineup due to injuries. Uh, injury bug has affected John Mooney as well. So, yeah, it's been uh, certainly a limited opportunity chances right now. You're having to play a lot of freshmen uh, that were not expected, and that's normally not the situation uh, Mike Corey wants to deal with. Uh, usually he has them ready to go junior or sophomore, and he's having to, you know, bump that trend because he just doesn't have the players. Uh and a lot of freshmen are having to really take over the main duties uh, at this point of the year. I mean, we've had some decent performances from uh, Juwan Durham, uh, Prentice Hub, et cetera, and Nate Lachewski, but uh, that's a lot to ask for when you're having to play four or five freshmen, uh, and especially against a uh, cheese grater of a schedule that, like the one you have at the ACC. I tell you what, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Another game online today here in our home country, if you will. Obviously, we got to talk about IU and Purdue. I tell you what, IU dropped. Can we say dropped a turd? Dropped a turd against Nebraska, and then now, now we we we've seen, they're twelve and five. We look back and we say, oh, well, IU is kind of like like dropping the ball here, but they're 12 and five. So plenty, plenty of time to go, but at two o'clock today, they're up at Mackey arena. They better come with their a game and they better come better than what they did. They better be the better polished turd, if you will. <laughs> right, man. Against against uh, Purdue. Uh, obviously whenever, anytime IU and Purdue comes together, we, we, we eliminate all uh, records, anything that comes that, 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 that is said. But today, 2 o'clock, Macarena, Lafayette, Indiana, West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, Purdue, and uh, Indiana University. What are your thoughts? I think if IU wants to be a contender to make a run in the NCAA tournament, they have to win this game. Uh, There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a Purdue team that is not nearly as good as the team that was a potential Final Four team a year ago. Uh, Matt Pater has made no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I think you look at the possibilities right now. Uh, Purdue has just had a lot of players that they relied too much on Carson Edwards. I mean, you can't expect a guy for a power conference team to score 25 points tonight just to keep you relevant. And uh, eventually that's going to catch up with Purdue. Everything on paper says IU should win this game, and they need to come through and get the victory, uh, like I said, to remain relevant. Uh, the loss to Nebraska obviously was embarrassing for 
the team and for everyone in Bloomington, no question. Uh, it's a loss that they could not afford to have, and they need to get back on track. And what better way to do that but to uh, sack your rival uh, on their home court? Well, here's what I hope happens. And then what I did not like to see with IU, and we'll move on to some of these other games. It's just like, well, we just blocked a shot. We're just going to not. We're just going to take our time getting on down the court. They totally played like a bunch of lazy. lazy uh, an acronym, but in 2019, we probably should. But they, they played like a bunch of lazy people. They deserve to lose. They beat themselves with Nebraska. And, and I hope, because if, if they don't, and they get beat by Purdue, you made a valid point to get into the NCAA point. No, that's not going to keep put them out of the NCAA tournament. But yeah, if they want any hopes of, of uh, because at least we're, we're twelve and five, and at least only uh, four of those are ones that we could we could look at. Was it going to work? Let's let's talk about one of those. Obviously, be in Michigan. Michigan is on fire. Uh, they go against Wisconsin today. Uh, number two, Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin hosts them. I think that the Wolverines are, are on a roll. We're we're talking about a Final Four team here against uh, the Michigan Wolverine, the Michigan Wolverines, and the West Wisconsin Badgers. Well, as you know, Wisconsin at the Kohl Center is always tough to beat, but I think Michigan's got enough firepower to find a way to get a victory, and it's a quality win, even though Wisconsin is not uh, what the team that was making it to the Final Fours the last few years. They're still even at eleven and five. Uh, this game will be close, but I think Michigan will stay good to eighteen and zero tonight. Well, <laughs> can I just say I hope not? This, this, is, I think Michigan in college basketball, especially in the Big Ten, like the New England Patriots this weekend. We want Michigan to lose, and we want we want the New England Patriots to lose. My gosh! But I tell you what, I'll give credit where credit's due. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines are certainly. Uh, uh, just checking off the boxes and doing what, whatever they have to do. Let's move on over to the Tar Heels. Uh, obviously, they take on uh, Miami. I don't think there's a lot to talk about here in this game, um, but obviously number 13, UNC. But at the same time, as we know, historically, historically, uh, the, the Tar Heels struggle against the Canes. Considering the UNC has looked very iffy the last three times they played at Chapel Hill, uh, the road game, even though against a very mediocre Miami team, is still going to be a very tough one for them. I would not be surprised if somehow, some way, they found a way to lose this game. Yeah, exactly. That's well, if history's on our side, uh, Miami's going to love this game. Let's go. Let's move on down south here. Arkansas against number eighteen Mississippi. First of all, let's talk about this Mississippi team. They are a team that just has been able to, going back to checking off boxes, have been able to do that check, check, check. But Arkansas, again, here, we got one of those this funky matchups where Arkansas is, is on the road and does very well and historically against Mississippi has not done very well. I mean, this Mississippi is against top competitions. I mean, they gave up 100 points to Tennessee last weekend. Even though Old Miss is not known as traditional power, I think Old Miss has finally put together something right now where they can be competitive. And I think they should have no problems beating Arkansas uh, in Starkville for, what, what am I thinking? It, that's Mississippi. I don't know where it is, but all I know is. I, I have the same thing. I have the same issue there. So that's fine. Sorry about that. Uh, 
no, it's my fault. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, like I said, Ole Miss should easily win this ballgame, no question. Uh, Arkansas is not the same team they've been in the last couple of years. They've really plummeted. And like I said, I think they just flat-out quit against Tennessee. I mean, you do not give up 100 points in the SEC unless you are not a, unless you are extremely careless uh, as a team in general. And I think Arkansas beats that, checks all those boxes right now. And uh, I think it's going to continue against Ole Miss. If they tell you close to beating the Rebels, I will be stunned. Talking with Matthew Embry up at WSBT, uh, who carries a lot of hats with the balance, and we uh, appreciate it. 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to call and talk some college hoops with us, talking about SEC, we got another SEC matchup. Alabama, not football. Can we can we just say amen? We're not talking about Alabama football anymore, <laughs> or at least right now. We're going to be talking about it again here in a, in a few short months, but at least right now we're not talking about it. But you mentioned Tennessee. Tennessee, strong, strong team. The Volunteers, now obviously they're ranked number three for a reason. Alabama at Tennessee, good matchup. Yes, I like it, but I think Tennessee's going to do this. Well, I give Alabama credit. They're a much better team now under A.B. Johnson. But uh, Tennessee, uh, Rick Barnes has found something about this team. And trust me, a 25,000-seat uh, arena, it's extremely loud there in Knoxville. And it gets real raucous. So if Alabama gets off to a slow start, uh, they're going to be feeling the heat early in this game. The question in my mind is, though, is Tennessee keeps winning. Uh, what will they do against a team like Kentucky, especially when they have to go to Rough Arena to take them on in uh, a couple weeks from now? That's going to be the real ultimate test to see in my mind, whether the Vols are legit or not. <laughs> well, I think they're legit. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to throw them in the Final Four, but based on what, just on what you said earlier about Tennessee, they are a great team. Kansas, number seven against West Virginia. I'm disappointed in West Virginia. West Virginia is kind of one of those teams that I like to follow and have fun with, but. And they always seem to be there in basketball, but this year it just seems something's missing. Something's amiss here, and they got number seven Kansas today. I think they're going to struggle, but more importantly, what is going on with West Virginia? Well, when you let uh, a Mountie or a Mountaineer go in there with a gun and start shooting blanks uh, every time they have a big play <laughs> or something like that, like they've done over the years, uh, you're going to scare people. You may scare your own opponents. Uh, kidding aside, though, Kansas, I think right now is at Diego has Diego in their face with a couple of lousy performances, including a home loss at Fog Allen. Uh, really need to save face here, and I think uh, they'll have no problems getting by the Mountaineers, even though the game is in Morgantown. So if we uh, revisit IU and Purdue again here, and let's go down by the X's and the O's. I mean. IU has to win this game. We we talked about the polished turd against Nebraska. We talked about this. We talked about that. The key word but here, though, they, Tom, is go ahead. not has to win this game, needs to win this game. So that's needs the key to word. Win, because, like uh, I said, the, if they want to be legit and we get to the tournament, these are the type of games that they should have no problems winning. Well, let's see what happens. I mean, I'm going to be watching myself, so we'll see what happens. You know, we got another game coming up here, obviously North, another North Carolina team, Wake Forest, against number nine, Virginia Tech. Here's what a lot of people don't understand about Virginia Tech. If you can block them on the three, that's okay. They'll get you on the charity line. If you can, if they, if you can, if you can stop them on the charity line, that's okay. They can get you defensively. I guess what I'm saying with Virginia Tech, they're one of the, 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 the few – you Okay. 
Okay, then one of the few teams that I see outside of Duke, outside of Duke, Virginia Tech is one of the few teams that are literally firing on every cylinder. And you have to beat them on every part of the game. Wake Forest uh, is going to have a, a, a tough time today against number nine, Virginia Tech. Well, keep in mind, this is the same Wake Forest team that humiliated uh, NC State earlier this week. So, uh, Danny Manning, they have flashes of brilliance, but, I, again, I don't think it's going to be enough. Virginia Tech uh, has started to figure out things. It's finally put the piece together after several years of mediocrity post-Seth uh, Greenberg. Uh, should have no problems winning this game. I don't think uh, Wake Forest has another uh, big performance uh, explosion in their bank uh, <laughs> to reveal at this point, even though – you know, we've had teams uh, come out flat. I mean, it is competitive ACC, don't forget. But Wake, I don't think, has got another one in their pocket. Uh, the Hokies should get this victory uh, coming up here this afternoon in Blacksburg. Uh, being an IU guy, I'm going to be watching this game coming up here also at 4 o'clock today. Um, this is going to be a bloodbath, if we can use that word. And, and, if, and we're going to be talking to Mo from BS Sports Show here a little bit later on about uh, what games to bet on and not to bet on. This is one game I would say you stay away from, but watch for the fun of it, and that's Kentucky and Auburn. You got number 12 and number 14 doing it. This literally, Matthew, this literally is a positional game. Kentucky and Auburn, let's go Auburn. I think Auburn could do this at home. Thing is, though, in my mind, Auburn still has not proved anything. Uh, they played a very no, lackluster. They'll prove it today when they beat Kentucky. They will prove it today when they beat Kentucky. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The thing is, they played a lackluster. They played a watered down non conference schedule this year. That's why they only have three losses at this point. Uh, yeah, they got decent stuff there, but the thing is, there is still. A lot of recruits are there. They have the big recruited classes. They still have not been able to meet the demands that they were supposed to be hitting at this point, right for the word go, that has not happened yet. And uh, Kentucky, I think, right now, keep in mind with Kentucky, every time they go one and done with all these players, it takes them a little time to get the wheels going. I think they've gotten over the bumps. I think now they should be much more competitive than their fourth or number 12 ranking should attest them to be. And like I said, that's why I think the game against Tennessee is going to be an ultimate uh, tell-all as to how good Tennessee is. Uh, I don't think uh, – a lot of people think this game is going to be close, but I think this is going to be an easy victory for Kentucky this afternoon. Wow. Wow. Hot take from Matthew Embry right there. Easy, easy well, going I for, like I for said, the Wildcats. Auburn is overrated. Kentucky is underrated. That's all I will say. You know what? I'm not going to necessarily argue with that point, but I would say the fact that they, they, that you think this is going to be a a non-close game, I think this is going to be one of the closest games we're going to see all weekend. All right, let's move I mean, on over. Be, to... It'll be close for maybe 35 minutes, but I think in the last five minutes, Kentucky's going to take control of this ball game. I am I am going to publicly shame you uh, on social media later. No, I'm just kidding, Matthew. I wouldn't do that. So here is let's move on to two exciting Texas. Go ahead. Don't worry, I can take it. I know you can. I know you can. I know you can. Let's move over to two other exciting Texas teams. I like Texas Tech. I have to admit that I'm a bandwagon Texas Tech Red Raider fan. Going back to when uh, Bobby Knight left IU and went to 
Tech, but Texas Tech is still a very good team. They're ranked number 18, but they go against the Baylor Bears. And here's the thing about Baylor. I like Baylor a lot in this matchup because Texas Tech has not been doing what they need to do to beat a Baylor team. Baylor team sneaks up on you. They're like a Long Island iced tea. They just sneak up on you, and, and before you know it, you're knocked on your ass. So I think Baylor could beat Texas Tech in this. I really, really, really do. Well, Baylor, yeah, the Kentucky, the Kansas game, Kansas absolutely played horrendous in that ball game. I think that's the only reason Baylor stayed in. Yes, it's a solid team under Scott Drew, but if you're looking for a Baylor team to cheer right now, it's the women's basketball team right now under Kim Balky that just uh, <laughs> wiped down UConn. the women's basketball, don't you, Matt? Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I just don't see it with this Baylor team. Uh, I think if Kansas had minded their business, that would have been a no contest right there. <coughs> I got to say, I'm skept- I was skeptical with Texas Tech, but I've taken a look on tape the last couple of games, and they seem legit to me. Uh, this is a team in Lubbock that uh, has not had many things to write home about, but this is a team I think that is legit. They can give Kansas a run for the first time in several years in the Big 12. Whether or not they can win a Big 12 championship, that's still a question mark in my mind. But I think this is a much better team than they have had the last several years. And while Baylor, yes, is consistent, I don't think Baylor's got enough in the tank here to stop by the boys from Lubbock today. Well, that's a, that's a good take. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I just think this is going to be a good game. Now we're time for time for my upset of the week. Uh, drum roll, please. Upset of the week. Here's what's going to happen. Virginia number four upsets number one, Duke at home. This is going to be a matchup. And I just think that Virginia has what it takes. I know, I know, I know everybody's going to be crucifying me for saying this, but I'm going to tell you for sure, this is my blood, my blood bank bet, you will. Uh, put your money down on Virginia for a win or loss. Not necessarily on the point spread. I don't know what that is. I don't have that up right now. But Virginia goes into to Duke and says, hey, we're we're still here. We're ranked number four. You're ranked number one, and you're going to be ranked number two because Virginia's going to win. I mean, I mean, Virginia's going to win, and Michigan's going to win, and uh, that's going to take care of that. Uh, Duke and Virginia today is going to be the upset of the week. Well, I wouldn't call it much of an upset considering Duke's already lost home this week to Syracuse. And you know Shashevsky's going to have this team Which, fired up. Syracuse, what I would like to see Syracuse Duke do is try. I was just what say, I would like Syracuse to see Duke is, try to do is try to run and gun a little bit on Virginia, so Virginia doesn't take the air out of the ball that they normally do. I think that's why they lost to UMBC. UMBC was able to get run and gun chances and get inside the lane. Uh, I'd like to see some of these other teams try to do that against Virginia and see if they can get them into a faster game where they're not used to scoring the ball as often as they normally do. I mean, this is a team that usually scores in the 50s or 60s as opposed to the 70s, 80s, or 90s. So if Duke could get on a roll, and obviously, hello, uh, Zion Williamson, are you hearing me here? Uh, I think Duke <laughs> could find a way to get the job done here against UVA. And I think right now, if you talk about UVA, uh, they need a big performance, I'd say, for both Kyle Guy and Tyreek Jerome uh, if they want to escape uh, Cameron Indoor. And they're probably going to have to score more points than they're used to scoring I think to beat Duke because uh, you know Shostevsky not going to be thrilled if uh, Duke loses two games in a row at home. Well, no, 
but it's going to happen today. So there's there's a few blood bikes that I've given you today, and that's one of them. Now let's not talk about the point spread because I, I'm sure that Dick will cover the spread, but <laughs> I just think this is going to be a good one. I want to talk about this Oklahoma-Texas game, but before I do, I want to go over to some college football talk with Oklahoma, Alabama. Obviously, we know Jalen Hurts transfers from Alabama over to Oklahoma. Let's talk a little bit about the hypocrisy, 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 if you will, however you say it, with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley didn't like it when the shoe was on the other foot, but now he's on. it's on to his advantage. Now, don't get me wrong. Jalen Hurts graduated college. He can play wherever he wants. Whenever you graduate college and you, and you still have some eligibility, I, I firmly believe, and, and we could get into the debate uh, of, of college transfers, he can play wherever he wants, and I think this is a good opportunity for Jalen Hurts. I think it's a good opportunity for Oklahoma. I think this is probably the only opportunity that he has to win a championship. But we, I want to talk about the hypocrisy of Lincoln Riley and this transfer. This has been big news all week long. What are your thoughts? Jalen Hurts transfers from Alabama over to Oklahoma, obviously, uh, in hopes of winning a national championship. Well, the writing's on the wall. Oklahoma has a high-powered offense, and there's an opportunity now that Kyler Murray is headed to either NFL or Major League Baseball next year. Uh, the opportunity of the door is open uh, for an opportunity for Jalen Hurts to make a day for himself, make himself legit, maybe get himself even drafted in the NFL uh, career coming season. So, I mean, he couldn't have done it had he stayed at Alabama. Uh, Tua Viola would have been the starter regardless. He went down again for a limited period. So if Jalen Hurts wants to make play football for a living at the professional level, he had to go somewhere else. And it just happened that Oklahoma is the biggest thing where he can stay relevant uh, as far as being in the eyes of NFL scouts right now. So I don't think there's any hypocriticalness of all with this. I think this is just a situation where Jalen Hurts wants to keep his name relevant. And what better way to do that than to be challenging for a national championship and keeping your name relative at the same time, as opposed to play for a smaller team like a UCF, et cetera, that uh, will not uh, be in the news uh, compared to some of the other programs. Well, you know why I say hypocrisy it has nothing to do with, with 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 Jalen Hurts. It has everything to do with Lincoln Riley. When the shoe was on the other foot, when his quarterback was transferring. He was all against it. Now that he's accepting a transfer, he's all for it. Do you, you, you see what I'm saying? So Lincoln Riley's a great, a great coach. I, 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 I think he's going to be the next Nick Saban in a lot of ways. I really do. But at the same time, I think that you, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a stand and you're gonna pick a battle, fight that battle all the way through, not just the battle that that, that benefits. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's a battle now. I mean, look at uh, Brandon Wimbush; he's now transferred to UCF. So, what is Brian? Should Brian Kelly be angry about that? Uh, I mean, it's part of the game now. Uh, players yeah, want to stay relevant, right. and these quarterbacks are on a shorter and shorter lease now to produce results. And I think you've seen it. Uh, Wimbush had a couple of bad games. He lost his job, starting job to Ian Book. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a couple iffy moments there in the National Championship game a couple of years ago. Lost his starting job to Tua Tagovailoa. So 
it's a chance to remain relevant. I don't think there's any hypocrisy to it. I mean, that's part of the game now with this transfer rule. So if you want to blame anybody, you blame the NCAA for creating uh, such a rule where these situations could occur. Well, that's a valid point, valid point, valid point. Let's move on over, though, to the game today with Oklahoma and Texas. Obviously, number 20, Oklahoma against Texas. I'm I'm kind of dis- – we're still – I say early. It's not March yet. That's why I say we're still early. But we're, we're still deep into the NCAA season, and I don't see a, a spark of life uh, from the Texas Longhorns, and they take on Oklahoma at home. I, I just don't see where where, where uh, the Longhorns win this game. At 10-7 and 7 right now, they lose this game. They drop to 10-8. and 8. Uh, I think right now that kisses any chance they have to make the NCAA tournament at this point. They have to find a way to win a game that they – because they don't have really a quality win on their record at this point. Uh, Oklahoma has got a lot of firepower. It's just right now, can they be consistent? I think the consistency factor has been the thing that's uh, held them back a little bit. And while they've lost four games at this point of the season, if they could be a little more consistent, I'd say they could be a potent threat as a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they just need to be more consistent. I'd say one way to do that is get a quality win against Texas uh, this afternoon. And uh, then, of course, uh, the opportunities come up when you've got a chance to get Texas Tech and Kansas down the road. We're talking about consistency. And one team that is consistent and one team that isn't, and that's Houston is not consistent and South Florida is consistent. I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at another is this an upset? No. Is is this going to shake the world? No. Uh is this going to change the rankings? No. But I think that Houston, number 21 Houston against South Florida is a matchup that people are just aren't looking at right now, just probably because of the rankings, just because of where we're at. But South Florida is very consistent in winning games, and Houston is like a like like the circus juggler. Well, give Houston credit; they have some quality wins on their schedule. Uh, they have a win over Wichita State. They beat Memphis. Uh, Utah State's been a consistent play team as far as a mid major. That's a quality win. They also have wins over LSU, Oklahoma State. Uh, and also, let's see here. They also went over Dana Albans, Oregon Ducks. So they haven't been playing cupcakes by any means. I think they're legit. The question, though, is is uh, the type of teams they're beating in that American Athletic Conference because uh, other than UConn, who is down right now, can you really say that there is a team that is, you know, a powerhouse uh, that conference at this point? And I would say, talk about conferences that have plummeted here over the last uh, 12 months, uh, the American Athletic Conference uh, comes to mind. You know, you talk about UConn, we're going we're gonna to sidetrack and sidestep here. Uh, did you see the UConn-Tulsa game where both coaches got ejected? That was almost comical. Uh, both coaches got two technical fouls and got ejected. Did you see that? What are your thoughts? Well, that shows you just how much t- – UConn's plummeted when the coach is having to <laughs> fight the fights for his players and gets himself ejected. Like, I think that I tells you the story of how UConn's been struggling this year. They're like, all I want to do is shake hands. Hey, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State, ranked number 24 against Vandy Vanderbilt. Obviously a great team down there in Nashville, but it just seems like, it feels like Vanderbilt just can't get a grip this year. We're used to seeing Vanderbilt in the in the tournament and doing well. I'm not saying they won't make the tournament, but they just seem to be struggling. And if they keep, if they if they keep the uh, 
pattern going on. Mississippi State, number twenty-four, Mississippi State goes into Nashville into Music City and sings a sings a country song, if you will. Well, I would say right now, Vanderbilt, considering the talent they keep bringing in, uh, I would say right now, if they can't get things figured out, you could be talking coaches that are on the hot seat right now. Bryce Drew's day could be coming up on that list because you look at the talent that Vanderbilt has brought in the last couple of years recruiting-wise, this should be a much better team than the 9-7 record team. They have been an ultimate disappointment, I would say, even though, yeah, they're a private school against the SEC. doesn't matter. You have the talent. You should be able to produce results, and they are not doing that. And uh, I'd say right now Mississippi State uh, is over, is underrated to just be barely in the top 25 at this point. I think they have a much better record and a much better, you know, resume than several other teams that are ranked ahead of them in the AP poll. Uh, and I think it will show tonight uh, they'll win this game handily against the Vanderbilt team that's been a gross disappointment uh, so far in 2019. If you want to stay up late and watch basketball, <laughs> that's fine. And the game to watch – is not the game to watch, but it's a game to watch, and that's Gonzaga at Portland. Do we really have anything to talk about with this game? I mean, the Bulldogs Nothing got about this. that game. Can't Gonzaga win that game? <laughs> Same thing with Nevada over the Air Force Academy. That should be another easy win for Nevada. Yeah, Nevada over Air Force is great. Uh, obviously, I mean, always like to root for the Service Academy. But uh, why we still got you a little bit, a little bit of action going on that's tomorrow on Monday. They have a limit to how tall the players could be, and that's one thing that's ruined yep. uh, the chances for Army, Navy, point. and Air Force for years. So that's not uh, old news right there. Yeah, I mean, when you're in the military, there's that height requirement. So we, we'll, we'll deal with that. Tomorrow we got Marquette, number 15 Marquette against Providence. Now let me talk with you a little bit about this game. This is a game where people aren't going to be paying a lot of attention to, to until – Providence beats Marquette, and here's why that's going to happen. Marquette has not been able to be consistent on all cylinders, and they proved that against IU. I mean, that was a that was a we see where IU is playing at now, and I'm just using that as an example. Marquette is very inconsistent. They're a roller coaster team. Providence is going to come in tomorrow and beat Marquette, and they're going to make some national headlines. Providence is a decent record, but they have a lot of questionable losses. I mean, they're one in three right now in the Big East, and those were against the lower-level teams in that conference. Uh, I'm not buying the prior story in this game, and I think Marquette's going to finally get their act together and finally get some uh, decent results. Uh, you look at the other games on Sunday, Florida State should easily blast uh, Boston College, even though that game is at Chestnut Hill. And don't even ask me about Iowa, Illinois. Illinois, that's <laughs> I cannot believe I that they have not figured this out. Tom, Tom, <laughs> this is an Illinois team that was one of the best teams in the country in the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s decade. Right. How they have played right. this badly in just five, six, seven years is just beyond me. And the fact that they are the lowest team in the Big Ten, if you look by it down there, they should not be this bad. How good is Maryland? How how good and – we, and we look at Maryland – they're a very good basketball team. We know that. But they play Michigan State. Michigan State, Tom Izzo, they have their act together. But I kind of just feel like – I kind of just feel like that Maryland's going to beat Michigan State in this – don't ask me why. I just think it's going to happen. What are your thoughts? Well, when you mentioned Maryland, the word that comes to mind is an overachiever. I think they have gone far beyond what I think people thought they were going to be at this point. And Breslin Center – 
unless you bring have a perfect game against a team like Michigan State at the Breslin Center, uh, chances of winning that game is next to nothing. Uh, Maryland give it a good roll, but I think the Spartans find a way to win on Monday. <laughs> if we could just talk about Tom Izzo for a second, are, are, are we seeing the end of the Tom Izzo era, especially with everything that's been going on up there at Michigan State? Well, I don't think it's been the – if you're talking about the Nassar situation, I don't think it's been necessarily tighter. There have been any links toward Tom Izzo, et cetera. I mean, he's still the head coach. Mark D'Antonio is still the head coach with the Michigan State football team. Uh, Susie Burchett is still the head coach with the Michigan State women's basketball team. So, yeah, it was uh, a egg on the face for a while, but uh, ultimately nothing changed. So, I think it's almost a dead issue at this point. I mean, if there would have been any things on Izzo, D'Antonio, or Burchett, you would have seen it by now. The fact that you haven't seen it, I think, says that uh, it's a dead deal, at least in the eyes of the Michigan State uh, faculty. Well, us IU, us IU fans know very well. Dayton Fife, uh, who's up there at Michigan State, is he the heir apparent to uh, Tom Izzo there at Michigan State? I still think you could maybe get five, six years out of Izzo. I really do. So I don't think uh, – and by that point, I think Fife's going to find another job. I mean, he's a former coach with uh, a new Fort Wade. I think he will have found another job by that point. So – I don't know if there's really fair to say who's there apparent for that job at this point or not. Well, let's get into some of the big games tomorrow. It is so hard to wrap our minds around that we don't have NFL. We got four teams that are left. Uh, so, uh, as, as the old song, it was 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Well, there's four bottles of beer on the wall and, uh, you're going to need a lot more than four beers to get through this weekend. Let's quickly go through the weekend as we get ready for Super Bowl. Uh, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? We'll know this weekend. We'll know. We'll know. We'll start with the Patriots and the Chiefs. You know what? If it's the Rams. Because I think the Chiefs eventually are going to get caught up with that defense against a team that knows how to get to Super Bowl games. And let's face it, the Saints look vulnerable against Dallas this past weekend. And, yes, that game was in the Superdome, but I think uh, Sean McVay is going to find a way to get the job done against a subpar, uh, inconsistent uh, Saints club. I think uh, you're going to have uh, the Patriots against the Rams uh, in Super Bowl 53. Well, I'm going to agree with you on, on the Rams part of it. I really I really am, but I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to throw any karma or, or any juju toward the Patriots. I do not want to be in our Super Bowl special that we have every year on Super Bowl Sunday. I do not want to be talking about the Patriots playing whoever, whether it's the Saints or the Rams. I got to go with the Chiefs. I got to go with the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is your MVP. They dismantled the Colts. I get that, but and I know it's only three points that they have an advantage, and they're at home, and I and I know it's not going to be Foxborough weather, but let's give some, let's just give some juju to the Chiefs. I think it's going to be the Rams and the Chiefs. Real quickly, let's let's talk about a game that really doesn't matter. We're fun to talk about. Too bad it's no longer in Hawaii, and that is the Pro Bowl, AFC NFC. Let's go AFC. What are your thoughts? I think the NFC has been more firepower based on who's going to be left at that point, uh, based on the teams left and the teams that don't make it. Uh, I think you go by that, and Drew Brees, the quarterback, if he loses in the championship game, uh, that's going to be a big hurdle for uh, the NFC have to overcome. Uh, I think the NFC will win this game 50-41. Uh, 
<laughs> 15 to 41. So always a shootout because they don't play defense. Oh, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a nail biter. I want to be on the edge of my seat. Matthew Embry, WSBT, up in South Bend, Notre Dame country. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom? I know you said you you uh, you have a 10 o'clock curfew, so we're getting close to that, and we got to take a break. So uh, you're more than welcome to stick around and talk some NFL That's with us. Uh, this is about the, uh, the big game on my mind is. Uh, NAIA, we don't really go talk about it, but Bethel's got a big uh, matchup today against Taylor University. Uh, it's second year for Ryan Lightfoot, the son of the legendary coach Mike Lightfoot. Uh, doesn't really have a quality win on his record, but, boy, he certainly could get one if they could uh, knock off Taylor today at uh, the Whitecaps Center this afternoon. And like I say, for the fans that are listening around the South Bay Mishawaka area, be soupful on the roadways. Uh, there's a lot of ice, a lot of snow, so give yourself some extra time if you got to head out today. If you don't need to head out, just stay home at this point because the weather is just uh, horrendous here in northern Indiana. Well, we're supposed to get it. I, I thought I would wake up and see uh, a winter wonderland again, but we don't see anything yet here. But I think it's coming. I let the dog had to go out around uh, 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 5 o'clock this morning, and it was sleeting rain, and it was icing. So I think we got some ice stuff going on, but we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. So Matthew Embry, appreciate you joining us. Uh, we're gonna uh, be talking again next week. We'll be talking some college hoops, and we'll see what happens. Anytime, Tom. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Matthew Embry, uh, WSBT up in uh, Notre Dame country, up in northern Indiana, joins us. Uh, we'll be right back. We're gonna take a break. Be back with uh, some more NFL talk. Moving the BS Sports Show is going to be joining us here momentarily. Yes, not sure exactly what time he's going to be in with us. Uh, a few more minutes, he'll be with us, and then we'll be talking uh, some some college betting for those of you that like to bet. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
the Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. My name is Don Mark Vassell, President Day, Balance Radio Network, all across this great land of the United States. Thank you for all of our affiliate radio stations that are joining us, especially those that are in Kansas City, L.A., uh, New Orleans. Oh, wait, wait, there's another one. Boston! That's right. No, I'm kidding. You know what? We'd love to hate the the, the, the Patriots, and, and Matthew Embry, obviously our, our guest for the first hour, uh, joined us and talked with us a little bit about college hoopage, and, and but some NFL stuff. He thinks the Pats are going to do it. Uh, maybe if you're in New England country, you think so. Maybe you got some clam chata. Clam chata? Is it chowder or chata? But either which way, I don't. I hope not. I'm sorry. I know. I know y'all are gonna hate me. Nine one seven eight 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 nine eight five one six is my digits. If you want to call in and talk <clears throat> some divisional divisional rounds, divisional maybe. And Mo from the BS Sports Show is gonna be joining us here in just a few moments. We're gonna be breaking down the the divisional round games and that is the Kansas City Chiefs host 
the New England Patriots, and the New Orleans Saints host the L.A. Rams. Can I take a moment here? Because I am on loan from God. I am, I am your authority. Respect my authority, if you will. Remember back at the beginning of the season, preseason even. I'll I'll go back and I'll play you the audio on pre-se- from the preseason. I said to you, the St. Louis Rams are the team to look for. In the Super Bowl, everybody called me. I just said St. Louis. Woo! The three years in, and, and I'm still calling them the St. Louis Rams. I'm going to do the same thing with the Chargers. I'm going to be calling them the San Diego Chargers. The L.A. Rams. I am so sorry. My apologies. My apologies. I know uh, it, it's okay. You guys are up early listening to us. It's seven o'clock in the morning there, and you're listening to us, and you're like, "Did he just say St. Louis?" No, I didn't. You're, you're hearing things. You're you're still recovering from your from your stupor. <laughs> yes, I said that. But <clears throat> I think this is going to be historic, though. Honestly, I mean, we we look at two quarterbacks that that might get the MVP. Obviously, with the, the Saints and that's Drew Brees. I like Drew Brees. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I do. I like the Saints. They're a good team. I mean, certainly, if you're a Saints fan, you've got a lot to be accomplished for and, and a lot to be proud of. But you got a St. Louis Rams team. And, I mean, they, they've checked all the boxes. Sean McVay, uh, I mean, yeah, they have checked all the boxes. But I guess we could say that about any of the four teams that are left because they have checked all of the boxes. One of the boxes being a win to get to where they're at. So at this point, do we do we say any team sucks? No. Every team that's in where now doesn't suck as much as as much as it, it pains me to say. But let's talk a little bit about the dynasty of the New New England Patriots. <clears throat> if the Kansas City Chiefs win, let's let's give credit where credit's due. There, I know it's only a, there's only a three point spread there. <laughs> Nobody ever wants to say that the New England Patriots aren't going to win in the division. I mean, how many divisional? Nineteen is it? Right? I think it's nine. I think it's nineteen. Uh, Divisional championships and countless Super Bowls dynasty. I think we all can say that. But just remember what happened with with the Yang dynasty. It went downhill. It is time for Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots, and Kraft, who has nothing to do with Kraft cheese, might want to start eating some macaroni and cheese because... We just gotta, we just gotta throw all the bad juju we can to the, to the New England Patriots. I know, I know, I know. There's a small group of people up there in Boston that are listening to us and say, "Oh, well, yeah." That's why I don't listen to the balance. <laughs> so we got, we we have down to four teams, and then we're gonna at the end at the. By the end of the day tomorrow, we're going to know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Here's my thoughts. 
it's going to be the St. Louis Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mark it down right now as we stand by for Mo from the BS Sports Show, who's going to join us here in just a, f- a few short minutes. Um, but uh, <laughs> he's going to tell us who to bet on, too, though. We, we, I, you always got to wait before we talk to Mo to put our money down. He's going to tell us who to bet on, who not to bet on. But it is Divisional Championship Weekend. we got a great game on tap here in Indiana, IU-Purdue today. So a lot going on in sports. And we talked a little bit with, with uh, uh, Matthew Embry about Jalen Ertz uh, tra- transferring from Oklahoma over to – I mean, transferring from Alabama over to Oklahoma. Let's talk a little bit about that because we don't want to – we don't want to – we don't want to uh, regurgitate everything uh, with the NFL until we have Mo on. Then, we, then we'll do all the regurgitation that we want. <laughs> Let me know that he makes us vomit. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have been dealing with this stuff in my throat way too long, let me tell you. So here, here's my theory. If you graduate college, you can play any damn where you want to play. But if you don't, it's okay. There's still rules. I get it. I understand it. But Jalen Hurts wanted to go somewhere where he could win a national championship. And let's let's be real about it. Let's be real about it. Transferring from Alabama, Alabama, to Oklahoma, no pun intended, he wanted to get a national championship sooner than later because he probably would never have an opportunity again. This is a great opportunity for Lincoln Riley as well because I honestly think he's right on the brink of winning a national championship, especially when we saw what Clemson was able to do against uh, Alabama, how Clemson was able to come back and win against Alabama. Not comeback. There was no comeback. There was no, there was no comeback story there. Why did I say comeback? Maybe, maybe come back from previous years. To win against uh, to win against Alabama. <laughs> oh, you know we're going to be getting into some um, um, hoop talk, if you will, here in the very near future. We're going to be getting into some NBA talk. Maybe we'll be able to to squeeze some in here with Mo from the BS Sports Show as soon as he joins us here. Momentarily. <laughs> Where's the snow here in Indianapolis? I think it's coming. You know, I was all prepared for this for this uh hibernation weekend and it's like, oh I wake up in a with a big disappointment. <laughs> Those of you in non snow states don't get it. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is my digits. Some of the top stories going on right now. Obviously, uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, hints at uh, his basketball return. Shall we talk about Carmelo Anthony? What are, what is up with these? Well, it's not just in the NBA. We see it in the MLB. We see it in the NFL. We see it everywhere. I was great one time, and I'm as great as I ever was. So I'm going to come back. Over in the MLB, just kind of going through some of the uh, the headlines. Chris Bryant and uh, Bryce Harper will not join the Cubs. Oh, darn. 
Darn the luck. This comes from a guy who hates the Cubs. I know. I, you guys are expected to, to have the homerness. I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinal guy. Let's go Cardinals. So I'm not disappointed at all that Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper not to join the Cubs. We can, we can continue our talk. We're just standing by. We're, we're, at this point, what we're doing is I, I need one of those fidget spinners. Does anybody have a fidget spinner that I can have? Because that's what we're doing right now. We're waiting for Mo from the BS Sports Show. I know he's, he's got a lot going on. He said he's going to join us here in just a few minutes. Wen, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. out eight to 12 weeks with a thumb injury. Now, let's – that's a that's a huge impact. That's a huge impact. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, NHL talk a little bit about NHL with the hockey. Uh, Ryan Johansson uh, suspended two games for high stick. It's legal in Colorado. Anyway, just saying. <laughs> Eric Berry will play against the Pats. Let's talk a little bit about Antonio Brown. Should the Colts make a play for them? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Also, the Cowboys fire their offensive uh, coordinator, Scott Lehan. Well, they needed to fire somebody, I guess, at the end of this year. Remember at the beginning of the year, we said Jason Garrett was going to be was going to be uh, on the hot seat. You know, we typically also don't talk boxing, but big boxing game tonight, game match. Sorry. Uh Sergio Cavero, um, by the way, which is also, I got sidetracked there, but he's accused of punching a woman and charged with a felony. Well, there you go. Standing by for my sports show. Mo! Welcome to Mo's. Just somebody some free advertising there. So we have to make up a break from uh, earlier on because we were we were just rambling on with uh, Matthew Embry. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Tonight, I just want to take you Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. 
Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance. 917-889-8516 is my digits. So glad that you've joined us. Thank you to Matthew Embry of WSBT up in South Bend. Joined us for the first hour and talked with us a little bit about some college hoops. Uh, obviously, some IndyCar, NASCAR, and uh, Glenwood, the passing of Glenwood. Obviously, those that are familiar with NASCAR and NASCAR racing, and that is uh, the Wood Brothers. Uh, obviously, uh, he was the pa- uh, patriarch of, of that organization and certainly going to be very well missed in the racing world. Uh, Glenn Wood, we, we, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. 93 years old, lived a great life for racing. Obviously, we also talked some racing uh, and uh, some racing and some uh, college uh, hoopage. We're getting back into our NFL talk. Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how are you, sir? Uh, driving through a blizzard. 
You know what? I, I'm hearing that everybody up north, Matt, was talking about the snow. You're talking about the snow. We're supposed to get some snow, but we have nothing yet. I, I let the dog out about five o'clock, and it was coming. It was pouring down like ice, and I said, "Okay, here it comes." Well, we got nothing yet. Got nothing, but I think it's coming later on this a- this afternoon. So, uh, safe travels to you, sir. Let's talk a little bit uh, about the divisional championship games. We'll start. We'll start with the Rams and the Saints because. We'll save the best for last. Maybe, I don't know. Well, hopefully the best for last with the Kansas City Chiefs. We know it's going to be one, two of four teams that are going to be in the Super Bowl down in Atlanta in February uh, this year. Let's talk about the journey between the St. Louis Rams and the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, uh, uh, golf, and, and we've got golf, and we've got uh, Breeze, two storylines that we want to talk about, but... I'm going to go on the train with the St. Louis Rams, and I know you were on the show when I said this early on in the year. I think the St. Louis Rams can make it to the Super Bowl. I still think this, but this is going to be a monumental task uh, to win on the road across uh, on the other side of the country against a very good and very proven New Orleans Saints team. What are your thoughts, the Rams and the Saints? Well, it's funny because you still do the same thing that I do with the Chargers. I still refer to them as the San Diego Chargers all the time. And, did I just say uh, St. Louis again? Oh, my God. I did that earlier. Yeah. The, the Los Angeles, they're three years in. I know. So always shoot me. The Los no, Angeles Rams. I still do it Rams. San Diego. I am so sorry. I, 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 no, every, every, every weekend this year I call them the San Diego Chargers. So I get it, man. The, the, the moving <laughs> around. I mean, the Rams, it makes a little sense, but San Diego, I mean, there are going to be the San Diego Superchargers to me, but, uh, you know, they played a little <laughs> season, these two teams, uh, you know, and, uh, and Jared Goff and Drew Brees is a good matchup. It'll be interesting to see uh, whose defense shows up. Because let's be honest, the Saints won last week, but over the past four weeks, Drew Brees and that offense has not been that exciting or that dynamic as it has been early on in the season. And as a, a Saints fan, that would worry me a little bit. You know, it took them basically four quarters to really get things together uh, last week, uh, you know, and, and a lot of starters didn't play the last week of the year and they, they got blown out 30 to nothing. But the previous two weeks, you know, the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders like it had been all year. So uh, that concerns me a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see because we saw uh, the Rams last week really try to put the clamp down on the uh, offense for the, uh, for the uh, Cowboys. And what will become of, you know, the Rams rely a lot on their two-headed monster at running back with uh, Ingram and Kamora and what will happen with that uh, Vindamakan Zoo plays like he did last week and they disrupt Drew Brees. We saw the Eagles get to Drew Brees a little bit last week and that seemed to throw them off a little bit. Uh, but what's interesting to me in this matchup is you have two coaches uh, that really like to gamble and aren't afraid to, to go for the fake punt uh, uh, or, you know, do uh, some, some trickery. So I think, you know, Sean McVay and Sean Payton, the matchup there, uh, head coach and, and what uh, you know the, these guys have no fear when it comes to, to trying to trick play and they don't give a damn where they're at on the field or or what quarter it is they're willing to bust it out if they have to and to me that's going to be the real fun element of the game I think is is who's going to pull out the most trick plays and who who has success and who fails well I'll tell you what we'll see who has success and who fails but both teams have had success over the years listen I mean over over the over the season the Los Angeles Rams, I'm going to say that very slowly so that we get it. They started off the season, <laughs> they started off the season just checking out boxes. And they checked off enough boxes and then they kind of they kind of hit that roller coaster ride down their back up. 
But let's talk a little bit about the Rams. What has made them so good? Is it golf? I mean, what is it that, that has made them so good from the beginning of the year? When we started at the beginning of the year, myself included, saying that they're a Super Bowl contender. Why is that? What is it about the Rams that make them so special in 2019? Well, I think a lot of it is, is honestly Todd Gurley, who was uh, just fantastic. He got hurt at the end of the year and missed a few games. But, you know, Todd Gurley opened up, you know, when you have a great running game like that, it opens up so much more for your passing game because you have to focus so much on Todd Gurley. So I think Todd Gurley is the key to that. Uh, you know, we saw some of the ups and downs, as you mentioned. They had a lot of injuries on defense and in the secondary especially. Uh, so they seem that they're a lot more healthy now when it comes to the defense. Uh, you know, and now uh, C.J. Anderson has become, uh, oh, yeah, who uh, who remembers C.J. Anderson? Yep, he's become, uh, they've got their own two-headed monster now, and they're running the pack. So they're able to do a little bit more uh, with packages, and it'll be fun to see if they run some packages with both Gurley and Anderson in it uh, today as well. But I think Todd Gurley has been the key all season long for the for the. Uh, I almost did. I almost called them the St. Louis Rams now for the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> and you said today too they don't play till tomorrow. So we're we're both guilty of just oh, like yeah. what is yeah. going on? What is going on? Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees. Obviously, if uh, Patrick Mahomes does the MVP, Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees has always been there, his, and and the Saints have always been there. And let's. Let's let's not discount the Saints. I think all the national media say the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the journey about the New Orleans Saints. They have just had an incredible season. And unless you're a Saints fan or unless you live in the South, you may have missed a lot of their season. But they've had an incredible, incredible season, and they beat some powerhouse teams to get to where they're at this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's funny to look back at the beginning of the season when they lose their, their first game. And, and if it wasn't for a missed kick by the uh, former kicker of the Cleveland Browns, they lose to the Browns at home, uh, you know, in week two. So to figure, to see where they've come from where they started uh, almost 0 and 2 after a loss to the Browns at home, uh, I think it's been a, a pretty tremendous uh, season for the new Orleans saints. I do like, uh, I do like, and think that the, uh, the heartbeat obviously is Drew Brees, but Michael Thomas here has just been fantastic. The secondary, the secondary of this team uh, has started to improve tremendously. Uh, and, you know, it, it, they seem to have gotten over that uh, last-second loss, obviously, last year uh, that they had in the divisional round. And now they've uh, got themselves primed to go to another Super Bowl. Uh, the thing for the Saints is they, they do have home field advantage. And uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees are 6-0 and at home uh, in the playoffs uh, as, uh, for their career uh, together. So, uh, you know, the Saints aren't going to be uh, a team that's just going to roll over. They also beat these same uh, Rams at home uh, earlier in the season. So uh, if, if the Rams think they're going to come in and, and the Saints are just going to lay down for them, they've got another thing coming. But it'll be interesting to see now with a healthy secondary, which they didn't have the last time these two teams played, uh, how they'll try to contain uh, Thomas and, and these receivers uh, for the uh, New Orleans Saints. So the Dallas Cowboys, after the loss, we, we, we talked at the beginning of the season that Jason Garrett was going to be on the, the hot seat. Well, the Dallas Cowboys kept Jason Garrett, which, I mean, okay, he, he gets them to the playoffs, but they do fire Stratton Linham, offensive coordinator. They had to fire somebody. Was he was he the uh, uh, um, – Oh, what's my word? I, I forget. The the 
Scapegoat. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Was he the scapegoat? Because they had to fire somebody. Well, yeah. They had to fire somebody. Yeah, it's funny. I tweeted the other day when that uh, when that news came out at Mo Radio Show hashtag uh, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> that uh, shameless yeah, like, you know, plug. Like, yeah. <laughs> hashtag humble brag. Uh, that this uh, <laughs> that this uh, this yeah this will really fix everything that's wrong with Dallas. You know, yeah, laugh out loud because Linehan didn't really do as much uh, with the offense. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett has a big hand in it too. Uh, but what's funny to me is. Jerry Jones on his weekly visit to the sports talk station in Dallas said that he knew uh, if, uh, if that Jason Garrett would be snapped up quickly by, you know, four or five different teams that would want him uh, if, if he was no longer the Dallas Cowboys head coach, uh, you know, so he had to ask himself, you know, who, what do you replace him with? So were they just saying that Jason Garrett stuck around because they didn't have a better option? Uh, or if they do have a better option, Jason Garrett will be gone. So it, it's just con- totally mixed signals all the time. And, and obviously uh, Jared Jones wants somebody in there who can be his puppet because he wants to not only be the GM and the owner, he wants to coach, the, excuse me, coach the team too. So that's going to be, you know, where it would be awesome on your resume to say, yes, I was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. But as long as Jerry Jones is still alive and the general manager, he also wants to be the coach. And if you become that, you're going to be a puppet. I don't think a high profile or a top, uh, college coach, unless he's desperate to be in the NFL, will take that job because I don't think that they they want to have Jerry Jones up their ass, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, uh, yeah, Scott Linehan was a scapegoat uh, at the end of the day, but I don't think it fixes the problems there. A problem that I don't so I'm going to play Homer card here here in Indianapolis with the Colts, and I want to talk about the Colts and the Kansas City Chiefs, and they just kind of the Chiefs just dismantled. We'll get into that in just a moment. But the Colts did fire uh, fire Diego uh, Lamago. I'm sorry, I pronounced that name wrong. And, and obviously, the offensive uh, line coach. It seems like that's one of the places that we improved the most. I, I mean, I, I get that it wasn't a Frank hire, Frank Reich hire, and maybe that was the reason. Maybe there was some stuff going on in the background that we don't know about, but it just seems like an odd firing by the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I think it could be one of two things. I agree with you. I think that either it's because Frank Reich has the guy that he wants, and since he didn't hire him, you know, Frank Reich has done pretty well with the coaching staff that Josh McDaniel has hired, you know. Um, but I think it's one of two things. Either that's the case, or let's be honest, against the Kansas City Chiefs, the offensive line wasn't all that great. You know, they didn't perform well. The Chiefs, with their, their, their you know, terrible defense, as it's been ranked all season long, got to Andrew Luck a lot. Uh, so I don't know if that was the case. Like Frank Reich felt he had to make a change because of the, the terrible performance of the offensive line uh, in that last game. Or like you said, if there was something behind the scenes because it wasn't his hire. Uh, you know, but I just – what bothered me about it was all the offensive linemen who we really count on, like the center Ryan Kelly – uh, and Quentin Nelson coming out in support of this guy, and the Buffalo Bills snatch him up immediately. Uh, you know, that's worrisome to me. But at the end of the day, it's either – I think it was one of the two things, like you mentioned, either there was uh, some personality conflicts behind the scenes or after that uh, loss to Kansas City because the uh, line played so poorly. Uh, I, I think that was it. And it just – it looked to me like everybody on the Colts acted like they were playing on roller skates. Nobody was moving fast. I think that uh, – the wet, snowy turf, I think, had an effect on them, which, you know, that's the, that's the NFL you play and the elements you're given. But it seemed like Kansas City obviously was much more comfortable. 
uh, with that messy field, whereas the Colts, look, everybody looked so tentative, especially in that first half uh, in that game, including the offensive line. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if it comes out ever why, because Frank Reich does seem like a good guy and a good coach. So it's hard to imagine him having a personality conflict with anybody. But, you know, maybe there's a guy he's been waiting a year to hire that will make this offensive line even better. So I think at this point we have to wait and see. But I don't like the, the young guys who played so well, uh, you know, coming out in defense of this guy and saying, you know, that they, they really support him because I don't want this kind of dissension in our locker room. Well, I get it completely. I was wondering why Quentin Nelson, rookie, he's like, hey, I'm all – okay, so we, we get it. We see what happens. But let's talk about the Colts, though. I mean, let's, let's give them love. Let's give them prop. Hold your head high. I know I'm playing the, 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 the homer card here, which I will always do for the Indianapolis Colts. But you included, you included your coach is charged at the beginning of the season. Remember, thumbs up, thumbs down. I said, is Andrew Luck back? And, and I was the only one that had a thumbs up. Uh, so when you want to be in the greatness of God, because I'm on loan from God, Mo, just know that you know that there's repercussions to your thoughts early on in the season. Now, I'm just razzing you. But at the same time, nobody thought the Colts would be here. Nobody thought Andrew Luck would be here. They they had a great season. They they were not a good team last week. They beat themselves. There's a lot of reasons why that happened. A lot of reasons why that happened. So it, it was to be expected when you play the way they played last week, they lost. But at the same time, let's look back at their season. Andrew Luck made it through the entire season. He is back. Yeah, I agree. He's 100% back. But if you look back, you know, and one of the things that was hard for me to learn, first off, when I went to cover other teams for other radio networks like the Bears and the Browns, was trying to hide my homerism at times uh, for the Colts. <laughs> but, you know, if you look at those look at those first couple of games, especially when they had to bring in Jacoby Brissett to throw the, uh, the deep bomb, you know, there was worries there. Uh, you know, and, and now I have to be more of a closeted Colt fan uh, because I cover the Browns uh, extensively. Uh, but you know, there was worry there for me, and, and not because I didn't think Andrew Luck could get back. Quarterback who hurts the shoulder, you know, we've perfected Tommy John surgery. We've perfected, you know, ACLs and MCLs. But for quarterbacks and their shoulders, we haven't perfected that surgery yet. And obviously, uh, if you look at, you know, the fact that Cam Newton can sit out all of next year uh, that they've talked about already this year uh, because of his shoulder injury, it's something that uh, that is hard for a quarterback to come back from. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of worries, but no doubt that he's back. And, and obviously what also helped him uh, is, is having a good offensive line. You know, it had Andrew Luck played behind the Ryan Grigson offensive line, uh, there's, there's, doubt, there's no doubt in my mind he might be dead at this point, not just playing football, because, you know, having time to throw the football, and I think he also learned uh, in the past that he held onto the ball too long, uh, so his release time became much quicker, especially more as the season went on too. So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt he's back. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we've learned now that for quarterbacks who get shoulder surgery, it, it's a couple-year process, as we see now with Cam Newton. But, yeah, for sure, he's back. And, and while I doubted him, I just I didn't doubt him. I doubted the injury in his shoulder. And we were still waiting to see what we had with this offensive line. You know, I mean, Quentin Nelson came out with a, a bunch of hoopla, and, and, uh, but we still had to wait and see how the rest of it held up, and, and it held up great. But there was times at the beginning where it still looked a little dicey. Well, yeah, absolutely. And of course, I was just giving you a hard time. I think a lot of people and I, you know, I, I just sometimes you just got to toot your own horn. Jacoby Brissett, sure. you talked about here. You talked about Jacoby Brissett. I, I think he's in line to go somewhere else and make 
some different money. I think he's in line to go somewhere else to not be an Indianapolis Colts. I think he could actually be a starter in the NFL. Who wants him? What do we give up? I think that we could get more than a number four pick for him. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, there was a, a late push last year, uh, draft day for him, and Chris Ballard decided not to trade him. And it was curious to see uh, where Ballard uh, came out and said that he didn't want to trade Jacoby Brissett just a, a week or so ago, and that that wouldn't be happening, talking about how valuable he is to the team and how valuable of a quarterback he would be. But to me, that screams everything of, hey, this guy's valuable uh, because I'm trying to drive the price up on trading him. Uh, I think now that you realize that Andrew Luck's back, you know, you, you can move on from Jacoby Brissett. It is nice to have a backup uh, who can come in and play football games and play and, and win games for you. But, uh, you know, it, if you can get uh, – and Chris Ballard loves his draft picks, but if you can get a, a, a two or a three for him, a three is probably, uh, probably the, the, the rate you would probably get at this point just because of his lack of starting experience other than last year. Uh, so I think if he gets a, an early third, that uh, there's probably a chance that, that he does move him. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see because you've got guys who are proven starters in this league who are probably going to be out there as well, and Joe Flacco and Nick Foles, plus Kyler Murray uh, and Dwayne Haskins. So they're on a, lot, so a lot of teams are set as far as quarterbacks go, so it'll be interesting to see if Jacoby Brissett uh, brings the value that Chris Ballard wants in order to move him. Where does Nick Foles end up at? Uh it feels like me if I if it were me and, and I was running the team, Jacksonville seems like the place because you don't want to bring him into a situation where you're rebuilding because that's just not Nick, who Nick Foles is. We saw it when he did play for the actual St. Louis Rams uh, that you know he was terrible <laughs> uh, for them. So I, I think that Jacksonville, who had a down season but yet is still primed with a pretty good defense uh, to win, they just need to add to their receiving core. I think that would probably be the place. Uh, in all, for all intents and purposes, obviously the Eagles, I think, would love to figure out a way to hold on to him. But if you have to franchise tag him, that's $25, $26 million that he would make next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do franchise tag him and then try to trade him uh, just because I, I think that uh, – and, and I think without the, uh, the, the ball going off the hands of, uh, of uh, Alshon Jeffrey last week, I think Nick Foles drives him down and wins that football game. So I, I think Nick Foles has value. It's interesting to see if he can have value for an entire season, including the playoffs, but I think he needs to go off to a playoff-ready team, and I think that one probably is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, we don't want to see him here in the AFC South, but Ed Kratz, by the way, as you mentioned, could not join us. He's coaching a wrestling match team today, so he will be joining us for the Super Bowl special, which will be coming up on Super Bowl Sunday. Let's talk a little bit about Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. I, I know we don't want to say this, but the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl again, I'm not going to pass any bad juju or karma that way. I think, one, I think Kansas City takes care of business this weekend at Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes gets the MVP. Uh, Andy Reid, uh, Kool-Aid man, can finally say, oh, yeah. And then I think that we see the beginning of the end of a dynasty in New England. Can we can we all be in agreement of that? Can we all pass that karma and, and and juju that way? Well, it seems like we've been trying to do that for six years now. Yeah, and Tom true. Brady and Bill Belichick always figure it out. Uh, you know, I think that you saw a down year from this team a little bit uh, because of uh, because of injuries and suspensions. I think that hurt this team a lot. 
And and sometimes the moves that Bill Belichick has made this year didn't work. You know, if it wasn't, I, I honestly believe last year, if Malcolm Butler played in that football game, that the uh, Patriots at this point would probably be back-to-back champions. Uh, I think that was a, a huge mistake. And, and maybe it's not Tom Brady that's it, on his last legs. But maybe it's more of Bill Belichick. We saw the move, the curious move. Just think if, if Gronk's not playing center field in that loss against mm-hmm. that last second loss to the Good Dolphins point. this year, this game, this game today or tomorrow is in New England, not in Kansas City. So, you know, that, that call right there alone, uh, you know, made sure that this game's played in Kansas City tomorrow and not, not in New England. But, uh, you know, I think it'll, this game will depend on the Kansas City defense again, uh, coming up big like they did against the Colts, but coming up big too with Gronk because when they lost late in the game earlier this year in that high-scoring game in New England, it was, uh, you know, two big pass plays to Gronk that set up that game-winning field goal by Steven Goskowski. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they cover Gronk. Gronk uh, in that game earlier this year was not really a factor the entire game until that last drive they needed to win that football game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but if this defense can play like it played last week, and now Eric Berry will play uh, this week, their safety, who's been out most of the year uh, after injuring his toe, will play. So I think that, uh, that Kansas City definitely has a good shot at winning this football game. But when you look at the history and the trends, it's really hard to, to count out New England. I think this game is definitely, uh, you know, great that Kansas City was able to get home field events. I, I honestly don't think that Kansas City wins a football game going into New England for the AFC Championship. So uh, it, it seems like an even game. Vegas rates it an even game. The only reason that the uh, that the Chiefs are getting the given the three points is because it's at home. So it seems like an even up game. It, it should be a fun game to watch. Well, I tell you what I said earlier. So we've got a couple things going in our favor. We got the eclipse, the the new covering the old, and when you add up Tom Brady's jersey, you get three. I'm just saying. Let's talk a little bit about our our porn star loving friend Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that that was a sign of what's going on within the Patriot organization, or am I reading into the tea leaves too much with that trade over to San Francisco? Well, I think it was Tom Brady pushing uh, Robert Kraft to to get Bill Belichick to move him. And I think uh, Bill Belichick's big middle finger back to Robert Kraft was the fact that he only got a second for him uh, because Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, earlier that year, at draft time, uh, he would, they were offered a one and a three, and they didn't take it because they wanted to hold on to him. And, and Bill Belichick, I think, was planning on, uh, you know, this season or, or next year to be when Jimmy Garoppolo took over. So I think the uh, the hand was forced by Tom Brady to Robert Kraft, and then Robert Kraft forced Bill Belichick to move him. Uh, and, uh, and so that's why Bill took a, a second and uh, just kind of said, you know, here, F you back. So – uh, yeah, man, I think there's still some dissension uh, in the ranks between uh, not only Belichick and Kraft, but Belichick and, and Tom Brady. Uh, you know, Tom hasn't had a terrible year by any stretch. It's just that this team uh, hasn't been the dominant force that we've seen, that we're used to every year. And I think a lot of it has to do uh, with injuries and, and some personnel moves. But, uh, you know, again, they're, they've been played in the AFC Championship eight straight years for a reason, which is, you know, unreal to think of. And, you know, when Tom Brady raises his right hand, there's rings for all five of those fingers. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
We're talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, we rely on you uh, to help us bet the safe bets and and stay away from the non-safe bets. So let's let's get into some betting talk here. We got Vegas talking, obviously divisional rounds. Uh, if you if, if we we know there's the the uh, three point advantage to the Chiefs. If you're betting money uh, in Vegas or non-Vegas or whatever against the Chiefs and the Patriots. Where do you put your money? Because you know, you know the Patriots are going to cover the spread. Well, you hope, but it feels like both of these games are are uh, uh, you know such small point spreads. You feel like one of them might get out of hand, and it's just you got to figure out which one that is. And you know, if you if the Patriots lose by a field goal, then you're pushed and you don't lose anything. But I think at this point for this game in particular, it depends on which team you decide you like better. Because if you pick the Patriots. And they're a straight AFC championship game. You're getting three points, so we got a little room for error. If you're if you're taking the Chiefs and you're given the the three points, you got to make sure that that's the team that you really love and you love them because they're at home and you think they can score points. So at this point, when it's this late in the year and it's a three point spread, it comes down to who you like more and what kind of risk you want to take in this football game. Obviously, you know, if you can take the Patriots and get three points, it seems like the safe bet even if you think the Chiefs will win and you think they win by a small margin. So uh, this is a game that I'm probably not going to bet just because I don't feel one way or another about one team, three points or more. So I'll probably lay off of this game. But taking the Patriots plus three doesn't seem like the worst idea. Eric Berry, how, mu- how, much, uh, how much is the Berry effect in this game? Well, I mean, obviously, he's fresh from the standpoint of he's missed a bunch of games this year, but you're talking probably about a wet turf on a guy coming off a foot or toe injury. You know, you wonder uh, what the, will that will be like for him uh, on that football field. So, uh, obviously, you've got to win to make it to the Super Bowl, so it'll be interesting to see how much they use him, you know, thinking if they, if they are going to make it to the Super Bowl to have him fresh to play on that turf. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see early on uh, how uh, he's able to adjust to the, the wet uh, grass there in, in Kansas City with, uh, you know, coming off a, a almost season-long foot and toe injury. Now, I know you're on there in Vegas, and I know you guys talk uh, betting there in Vegas, but it seems like everything that I'm seeing, Vegas likes the Los Angeles Rams. And you see I said Los Angeles? The Los Angeles yeah. Rams, and maybe it's because of the proximity, but a lot of people – in Vegas, like the Los Angeles Rams. If you're in Vegas, or if you're not in Vegas, if you're betting on this game, uh, the Rams and the Saints, what are your thoughts? Well, I think a lot of people like the Rams just because they figure it's going to be another close game, and you're getting points, you know, but again, when you look at it, and the fact that that Drew Brees and Sean Payton haven't lost a home playoff game, uh, yet it, it will be concerning to me, but uh, if you believe it's going to be close, then you always take the uh, underdog and take the uh, points when it's that kind of point spread. So uh, right now, I, I believe it's just at two and a half that you're getting if you're betting the Rams. And, you know, and, and a lot of times, too, Vegas will have to adjust their what they like uh, based on where the money's coming. So if a lot of money's coming in on the Saints, a lot of times, uh, you know, to hedge their bet, to try to not have a big loss either way, they will, you know, they will adjust the line, uh, you know, to get bring money in on the Rams at that point to try to, you know, so it's, it's not a huge loss either way. But uh, it's hard for me to uh, to pick against the uh, the Saints at home in a playoff game. So I would probably take the Saints at this point and lay the two-and-a-half points. Who's our MVP, uh, Patrick Mahomes or, or, or Drew Brees? That's Patrick Mahomes. He threw 50 touchdowns, 
Drew Brees tailed off at the end of the year. Uh, like I said earlier with the offensive production, uh, you know, he's the third guy in NFL history to throw 50 touchdowns. Now, the previous two guys who did it both lost Super Bowls. So uh, Patrick Mahomes will attempt to be the first uh, quarterback to throw 50 touchdowns in the season and win a Super Bowl championship, uh, which Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning both lost those years that they threw 50. So I think uh, there's no doubt about it, Patrick Mahomes. Keep your Vegas hat on. Big fight tonight. Uh, Pacquiao versus Boner. Broner. I said Boner. I did say Boner. I knew that was going to happen. Broner. Pacquiao versus Broner. Is this a fight? Is this a, is this a fake? Pacquiao's got this nailed down, doesn't he? Is this, is, this, is this even one that we need to talk about? But, I mean, uh, uh, pay-per-view is making a, a crap ton of money on this fight. This is a big fight. But I'm just thinking, this is this is not as big as everybody thinks it is. But hey, you're 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 the betting expert. Uh, if if you're putting money down, Pacquiao gets his Broner, not Boner. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm taking I'm taking Broner in the fight just because I think Pacquiao's proved in the last two or three fights he's had that you know, he's lost the steps. Uh, his his hands aren't as fast as they used to be by far. Uh, so I think that uh, until he proves to me again in a fight against a, a decent competitor, uh, get that back. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I think Broner's the, the pick in this fight. I don't even think it goes all the way, uh, just because you saw. You know, and, and Floyd Mayweather is a guy, uh, you know, who plays a, a lot of defense when he fights. And, and Pacquiao still got a little bit embarrassed when it came uh, to fighting Mayweather a few years ago. You know, in his prime, there's no doubt that Manny Pacquiao was the guy you were picking. But I think that, uh, you know, he, he's, he's lost a step uh, as, as Father Time has caught up with him. So, uh, Brunner is a, is a pick for me tonight. So, you think it's going to end in the KO? I think it probably does, yeah. Or 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 TKO where he gets where he's knocked him down three times in the same round. I think it's, it's, it's highly probable tonight that that happens. Talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show, we've got just a few minutes left on the clock here. Uh, we, we talk a little bit about, let's, let's kind of move on over to the NBA, if you will. We've heard a lot of talk about Carmelo Anthony uh, hinting that he's going to return to basketball. One, does he? And two, with who? Well, uh, that depends because right now, as of this morning, the Houston Rockets believe they can trade Carmelo Anthony and are, and are trying to do so. Um, that way they can add uh, 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 Kenneth Fareed as uh, they've worked out a buyout in New Jersey for him, and uh, and the Rockets are looking to add him. So uh, they are attempting to trade Carmelo Anthony. At this point, though, I think the only the only teams that, for me that would be interested in Carmelo Anthony is a team that's terrible and is 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 terrible at, at drawing fans because at this point Carmelo's proved in his last three stops that he has no business. Uh, playing for a contender. He was terrible with Oklahoma City. Uh, he was terrible early on for the Rockets. Uh, you know, I know that LeBron is interested to play with him, but I don't know. If I'm the Lakers, I don't give up anything to get him. Uh, you know, I wait for them to make to cut him and, and add him that way. Uh, but, you know, because Carmelo still believes that he's a starter, and he's not a starter in the NBA anymore, but he, unlike Vince Carter, he refuses to believe that. If, if Carmelo was willing to take the Vince Carter approach, he could probably play in the league another five, six, seven years. But, you know, we saw Allen Iverson refuse to do that uh, years ago as well. So, uh, you know, it takes a special guy to, to go from being a superstar to being a bench player and a role player, uh, and Carmelo has still refused to do that. He believes he's a starter in the NBA, and, 
and he's the last person that believes that. So unless it's the Lakers who get in for nothing, uh, I would have to say it's probably a terrible team uh, at this point uh, who's taking on salary just to dump it later, someone like the Bulls, uh, or maybe at this point the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, somebody like that, somebody where he can get some minutes because nobody gives a damn anymore. Uh, so that's uh, that's probably where I would see uh, see him going. Well, let's put our Homer hat back on with the Indiana Pacers. I mean, we went mm-hmm. engulfed with the Colts and a lot of stuff going on. But I saw the Indiana Pacers and the Philadelphia 76ers having an embarrassing game this week. Is that an anomaly? or, or I mean, it just seems like they laid a crap egg against a team on national television that they should be playing in the playoffs. And they didn't show me any encouragement. Maybe we're so excited from last year with the Pacers, but – it just seemed like that game against the 76ers was one that I should have never looked at. Well, I mean, what it comes down to uh, at the end of the day, when you get, when the, the Pacers have had trouble this year with teams that have more than one superstar, and that's the thing that they've had to find, uh, you know, since the, the emergence last year, that they didn't do this offseason. They thought they, they had a spark with a scorer like Tyreek Evans, who's been good off the bench, but uh, they need to find a guy uh, to pair with Victor Oladipo and I, I just think that, that until they find that second superstar, that you're going to have trouble with these teams that have multiple ones, especially one, a team that has three, uh, like the 76ers do. The one thing the Pacers did do very well in that game was, A, the second unit played so well at, at, at Pacers have waved the white flag at the beginning of the fourth quarter that they had to put the starters back in. So Victor Oladipo and those guys had to return because the second team got it down to six. Uh, the other thing they did very well is they, put, they locked down Ben Simmons, but that's, again, the thing is when – They've got – you've played a team with, you know, uh, three superstars. The Pacers just don't have enough talent at this point uh, to lock all three down. You know, like Bogdanovich is a great shooter. He's not a great defender. Um, you know, and, again, the bright spot has been a guy like Sabonis, but you, you'd hate to part with somebody like that. Uh, but the, the Pacers still have hope in Miles Turner because they've seen flashes of, of great play this year. But sooner or later, I think you're going to have to move one of those young big men if you hope to bring in a, a secondary superstar. Uh, so until the Pacers do that, I think they're going to be a great story. They're going to be a fun story, but they're not a team that, in my mind, competes for an NBA championship uh, until they until they do that. Speaking of NBA championship, DeMarcus Cousins, he's got to get acclimated. It's time for him to do that. I mean, I, I, I know that that he's not played in almost a year, but it's time for him to get on the court and play some basketball. Yeah, I mean, watching him play last night, you could tell that he was having fun. Uh, and, you know, honestly, now it's, it's just not fair, that lineup that they have there in Golden State, that starting five, you know, could rival some the best starting five in NBA history when you look at the talent they have on the floor at one time with Draymond Green, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. It, it's just not fair. Um, now, I, I believe, honestly, that DeMarcus Cousins is using this year to get back to prove that he, he came back from an injury to get a big deal somewhere else. I think this is a one-and-done year for him there. Uh, maybe pick up a championship ring. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, he's got to get to his sea legs back under him. Uh, I think originally they thought that he wouldn't be back till after the All-Star game, but I think him coming back now and able to wear off some of that rust. And he didn't play terrible last night. Uh, I think it's good for him, uh, but bad for the rest of the NBA when it comes to how dominant I think that the, the Warriors can be if they stay healthy. And let's talk about the Warriors. I mean, we're still talking about the Warriors. 
being championships or our champions, NBA champions, are they going to boogie their way on? You see what I did there? Are they going to boogie their way on yeah. into <laughs> uh, to another championship? Well, I, I, it would appear so unless, uh, you know, James Harden doesn't wear down at the end of the year like he does because, you know, for him, the, the way he scores, he had, exerts so much energy throughout the uh, NBA season that we see him when it's come to playoff time. He's just worn out. Um, and, and if the Rockets can stay healthy, let's be honest, I think last year, if Chris Paul doesn't get injured, that the Rockets win that series. Uh, so I think it's key to the, uh, to the Rockets adding a piece or, or two. Uh, you know, obviously when they let uh, Trevor Ariza move on and, and Luke Bamute, uh, two guys who played very well, not only at the offensive end, but at the defensive end, that, that hurt them. So I think the Rockets making a move here or there. And, uh, and James Harden uh, able to get some rest here and there. And uh, Chris Paul staying healthy. I, the Rockets seem like the only team in the West that could compete to uh, with the Warriors, but you add in DeMarcus Cousins. It, the, the thing is with the Warriors is you have to get to their bench. That's why, uh, you know, because of those five guys they have on the starting on the floor, their bench is not great other than, you know, an aging Andre Iguodala. So that's why it's so important for this Warriors team to stay healthy. But, uh, you know, if you can get uh, a couple of those guys in foul trouble and get into that bench, that's when the Warriors have seen the struggle this year. So, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be the key for the Warriors, A, to stay healthy, and B, to keep those guys on the court because there's a huge drop-off in, in bench count where I think, you know, some of these other teams can take advantage. Final thoughts real quickly here. The LeBron effect to the L.A. I think has hurt the NBA ratings, and LeBron's not going to win the championship. He's not. Uh, we don't think so. I mean, they're, 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 there's still some time to play. But the LeBron effect has affected the NBA uh, overall ratings. I think they're down. They're plummeting because people like to watch LeBron James. Now they have to stay up all night to watch him. I think that has hurt the NBA by him being out in L.A. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the when he's played the national games that are early or Sunday games, the ratings are through the roof even bigger than they were uh, with the Cavaliers. But you're right, you know, when, when the game's starting at 1030, and you've got the majority of, the, of your fans on the East Coast who aren't staying up to watch the, them play, it, it has hurt the ratings. But when you factor in, you know, their big money is made, obviously, uh, on, um, on ABC on the weekend. So those ratings, though, for those games have been through the roof and phenomenal. And if there's some way that the Lakers pull off a trade, uh, you know, for a Bradley Beal or, uh, or for an Anthony Davis, I, I think if you add that other piece out there in L.A., People will make it uh, will make it must see TV at that point then uh, to see it. But to see LeBron in, in the collection, the guys they got right now, yeah, I've stayed up late a couple times to see it, but not like I did when the Cavs were on. A, because I cover mm-hmm. them, but B, but you know sure. they were on earlier enough. I, and I think you brought up the perfect point. So look at the weekend games. The NBA is hoping to maybe average that out a little bit, and I, I think you try to figure out a way. Uh, you, you know, you'll see the Lakers on on national TV a lot when they're out east because when they're playing east teams on the road, we're, we're going to see an abundance, I think, of the Lakers and of Golden State. So uh, I think it's imperative for the health of the NBA that the Lakers have that second superstar to make it more much CTV at, at 1030. We're talking with Marv with the BS Sports Show. It is time to wrap it up and put a bow on. It is time to do thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs up or thumbs down, IU beats Purdue today. Oh, God. Uh, if they play the way they played this week so far, uh, I can't put my thumb down far enough. Uh, so IU's got to get off to a quick start. They can't ho hum it around like they've done, uh, you know, in, in their losses these these last two games, or last three games at this point. Um, you know, they had a big lead at Maryland but couldn't sustain it. 
Uh, and then, you know, they've, they've uh, looked terrible these last couple of games. They continue to turn the ball over a lot and, and just terrible uh, quick shots. You know, they, they come down and you got a guy dribbling down and you see one pass and then they're firing uh, and, and missing. So I think they need to take their time, uh, work the ball in uh, to Jawan a lot more, uh, you know, to get that inside outside game going. And, uh, you know, you, you get to a point where you got to count on your two superstars and then the other thing is, and I've said it all year long so far, they got to hit free throws. They are a terrible free throw shooting team. Uh, so when they do get to the line, it's just been terrible. They're, the defense has lacked uh, against poor teams. Uh, so if Carson Edwards gets it going today, uh, I hope we're not watching uh, a blowout uh, for the Hoosiers. But, uh, you know, if you look at the, the performance of the last three games, uh, you know, the last, what, five halves, they've been terrible. So you got to keep your fingers crossed and, and hope that they start out fast and able to sustain it. Well, I hope they're not the turd that they were against Nebraska. The other four teams that they've lost against at least were, were teams that we thought would happen. So I've got to go thumbs up. I, I still am going to do the homework card there. Thumbs up. Indiana University beats Purdue University. Mo for the BS Sports Show. Where can people find your work in the Masterpiece, sir? Well, hopefully if I make it uh, alive to the snowstorm <laughs> to my destination at Mo Radio Show. Uh, I hope you do. Not, I, hope that, I hope at least, uh, at least Tom, you'll come to my funeral. I will come to your funeral, I promise. All right, guys, we got to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Thanks, Mo. Have a good day, sir. All right, buddy, you too. You too, buddy. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us driving through a blizzard up in northern Indiana. Obviously, he covers the Cavs, he covers the Bears, a lot that he has on the plate for us and, he, and, and as well. My name is Tom Mike with El Presidente. Thanks to Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend uh, for joining us. Uh, Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor, could not join us today as he's coaching some young, young uh, wrestlers of the future uh, in, a, in a match today that conflicted with him coming on with us. So we'll certainly have him on our Super Bowl special, which will be on Super Bowl Sunday. My name's Tom Marquis. Don't drink a drive and cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, any 
anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.